Movies by Minutes, project number five. It's Silverado this time. That's no jive. By Lawrence Kasdan, who wrote the show. Let's settle up now, kids, because here we go. Howdy, and welcome back to another episode of the Silverado Minute podcast. Each week, Movies by Minutes hosts examine the 1985 Lawrence Kasdan-directed Western Silverado, one minute of screen time per episode. I'm one of your hosts this week, Jim O'Kane, the executive producer of the Silverado Minute, as well as a host of Apollo 13 Minute and the Rocketeer Minute. And I'm the guest host, the official guest host for Minute 84 and Minute 83 and all presenting minutes for that matter. I am Mr. Brett Stillo, also a veteran movie by minute podcaster. You should see all the decorations I wear on my dress uniform for all the, the podcasts I've the been The epaulets themselves are stunning, you know, just... 20 pounds each, yeah. <laughs> a lot of merit badges. Yeah. A lot of merit badges. Got to tape them down for all the jingling. Uh, but uh, yes, Brett, th- thank you so much for being part of the uh, part of this show, part of this event. And uh, gosh, we get some, well, this is a great minute. This is so much great scripting and, and just perfect, perfect logic of the good guy. And uh, uh, well, let's, let's, let's get into it. This uh, minute 84 uh, is going to start with uh, old Emmett getting hogtied and Tyree bearing down on him with a horse. When uh, and it ends with uh, with Malcolm saying one of the greatest lines <laughs> of uh, of the movie, and Brett, why don't you pass along that line? Oh, like are we going to jump to it or? Do oh, we do it? no, we can we can say we can we save can, it. We'll, we'll save it for the end. It's, it's too juicy. Uh, it's uh, I, I I will maybe preface it by saying yeah, I mean asking rhetorically, is it the best line in a movie? In a movie full of quotable lines. Is this the line? Ooh, hmm. I mean, there we can talk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the yeah, uh, the constant re- references to. Now I've got to think about other lines that were in this movie that were good. Um, oh, I can't can't just see this horse loves me and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I wouldn't do that to me once. And that the way, <laughs> I guess yeah. we could quote the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we could. I mean, it's like again, it's a. I mean, it's it's a funny thing, folks. You know, as we were, uh, you know, last year, Jim, when you. Uh, you know, introduced this and, you know, he started gathering us up for, uh, you know, or we started, uh, you started making us volunteer. You know, I think one of the first things we all did, like when you opened up uh, the Midnight Star uh, fan page was, you know, we just like, we just went back and forth. This is my favorite line, this is my favorite line. So it's, you know, it's a, yeah, Mr. Lawrence Kasdan, a fellow who's pretty good with dialogue. And uh, yeah, this is, this is a gem spoken by, uh, Per, perfect delivery too, but we'll get to it. But first, in order for that line to be so sweet, juicy, like a like a well done steak, we we gotta have more sneering, teeth greeting bad guys. Uh, yes, they're just just doing horrible things. I mean, not only is uh, is poor Emmett tied up, you know, hand and foot on the ground, but uh, Tyree has decided he's gonna run his horse over over them. Now, I I talked with a friend of mine at. Uh, at the Fort Worth stockyards, and I asked him, "Is it hard to get a get a horse to do that?" And he said, "It's almost impossible." He said, "A horse will jump over anything it doesn't want to step on, and it doesn't really like stepping on soft things like people." So uh, the the likelihood of Tyree being able to get his horse to kick Emmett in the head or kick, you know, even get anywhere close to him, uh, is very unlikely, unless he's got a particularly trained. <laughs> 
horse that likes stepping on things. Um, they're very temperamental creatures and they really, they like having a sure footing. So, uh, they, they know, they know they don't want to step on, on people. Uh, interesting. They, they interesting. don't, they don't like kicking you if you're in the way. Yeah. Uh, actually yeah. stepping on and putting weight on, on their, putting weight on their spindly little legs. And uh, they really don't want to do that on something that they know is going to be squishy. See, you learn from podcasting. I did not yeah. know this about a horse. And, you know, I, I kind of see where, yeah, it would, it would make sense. It's like, hey, I, I don't want to trip over that dude. I got hooves. I have yeah. very sensitive ankles. <laughs> I'm a um, it does, yeah. It does make me wonder, uh, yeah, is there an inner conflict? Is the horse actually, you know, is Tyree forcing the horse to do something he doesn't want to do? So the horse is just as much a victim in this. Um, or is this... A particularly evil horse yeah you know i mean a bad guy there could be a bad horse who knows you yeah know, were, they, were they just drawn to each other yeah I it's know. uh i mean if you've ever seen uh uh dracula the uh, uh the coppola dracula there were there were lots of evil horses in that one so yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah evil yeah yeah this is this know, could be a, trans, a, a transylvanian horse who knows you know it's one of those, uh, one of those things was it, was it Jesse James versus Dracula? That's a different movie <laughs> yeah. for a different podcast, but uh, 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 so, with, I believe John Carradine. But yeah, that's but yeah, yeah. evil. Let's just let's just say it's it's uh, an evil horse. Yeah, it's just that this is a, this this horse came from a bad family. That's why it's very you know didn't, mean didn't mean horse. Yeah, so he's gunning for. Uh, yeah, he likes to step on things. Yeah, there you have it. It's um. <clears throat> His name is probably something like Volcano or something. Um, Diablo, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah uh, wow. Well, uh, poor Emmett, his, he's bleeding, and uh, uh, they're just surprised that uh, he's not dead. He survived getting stepped on by a horse, and uh, Tyree says, well, Cobb said he'd be hard to kill. And uh, so now uh, Emmett knows who's gunning or horsing for him. <laughs> And uh, he, uh, uh, I have in the script that he said he guess he couldn't hear us coming because he was practicing so hard for a fight he missed the whole thing. I don't think that's actually in the in the actual that that's in the script, but I don't know if it was actually said. Um, he says he says something to that. Yeah, you know, maybe not word for word, but it's sort of yeah, like he. It's, oh yeah, it's, yeah, he did. It's more he, yeah, and it's more like he's saying it to. Emma to just rub it in it's like yeah hey, were... yeah I think it's I think it's a variation on that and it's I think you know it's Fahey just yeah saying, oh you were practicing so hard you know it's being like and again you know the the uh, the sarcasm of the psycho cowboy you know the the sort of mock uh, concern there oh isn't that too bad you know yeah when when, when things look exact you know it's, it's funny this is a repetition of um uh the the fight in the box canyon with the desperados that were um you know back that when uh when emmett and uh payton were trying to get the box back right uh, the, the money box back um oh gosh now i've got to think of his name uh Daw was it dawson yeah yeah dawson that's right james gammon uh dawson was the leader of that that hole in the wall gang that was back there in the box canyon and he he mentioned you're about to die mister and it's like well you know when you're in a when you're in a western movie and you're the bad guy and you're threatening somebody that you're gonna die 
uh, you're not going to win this one. So, <laughs> and uh, sure enough, sure enough, as uh, as Tyree is going over all this cackling and <laughs> rubbing his hands together, and you know, if he if only he had a handlebar mustache to twirl, um, as Emmett's at the lowest spot in this uh, in the scene, up over the uh, the ridge there, the, which is a butte. No, it's a ridge actually. It's it's a uh, it comes Malcolm with his uh, his own Henry rifle. And uh, does a quick cock of it, and then uh, Brett, I'll let you say the uh, the oh, phrase here. Well, uh, well, actually, no. Just, no. just to be clear, does he does he shoot one of the deputies through the hand, and then he says, uh, uh, "I think uh, yes, yes." If yeah. I yeah, Garth Garth pulls out his gun, getting ready, getting ready to kill. You know, he said Garth says, "So long, stranger." Yeah, and uh, and he's and of course Emmett's prone on the ground. This is just a this is just an execution. Yeah, and so he he pulls that gun right down toward Emmett when uh, there's an interruption. Yeah, and you know we have Mal is is holding that Henry rifle uh, like it's a tiny stick. Yeah, and he's and and quite possibly the most memorable line in the movie. I don't want to kill you, and you don't want to be dead. Sorry, I, I said it like John Cleese, <laughs> but uh, I, I kind of went silly there. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, again, it, the hero will often state the obvious in a very sincere and low key way. I don't want to kill you, and you don't want to be dead. Well, let's, let me think about that. Uh, well, I'm happy you don't want to kill me, but yeah, I, yeah, I don't want to be dead. I don't want to be dead. Uh, it's it's uh, really all about. You know Danny Glover's delivery there. He really sells it. You know, and he's he's got so many great lines in this. Uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, and he's. We've already set up his character when he was previously standing on a on a hilltop with John Cleese saying that you know he's hit he's hit everything he's aimed at. Um, he is a. You know, they're all crack shots, but I think Mal is the crackest of crack shots. He could you know. He could probably split the uh, the cactus needles that Emmett was shooting at with his pistol. So uh, he, you know, he really comes comes down, and but the bad guys don't know this. I think you know we know what a great shot Malcolm is, but uh, yeah, the other guys like Garth and well, Garth knows Garth knows he's not going to be shooting anything with a with a busted hand. He's got a bullet hole through it, but uh, Kyle. Is turning to Tyree saying, you know, we could we could take this guy. And uh he's he says, you know, he can't be that good, Tyree. But uh it doesn't happen this minute, but he's gonna be uh we're, we're gonna have that experiment uh played out tomorrow. Yes, yes, we're gonna see we're gonna see just how good Mal is. But uh you know, it, one of the fun things about this movie is yeah, it's it's uh it's a team of cowboys. There's four guys, and yeah. I think one reason why we keep going back to it is, uh, you know, every time I watch it, you know, I say to myself, oh, I like Peyton the best. Oh, no, 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 I, I like Emmett the best. And, I, you know, this time, uh, getting ready for the podcast and watching this a few times, it, it's definitely Mal. You know, I've always liked Glover in this movie, but uh, maybe because, you know, in a sense, Mal is... He's the proudest one, and he's also the the angry. I mean, he's really going for revenge. Uh, they drove my, you know, they drove us off our land. They killed my father. They took his Henry rifle. I mean, you know, yeah, stole Mal, my daddy's Bible, that kind of thing. It's just, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, uh, yeah, he's he has a score to settle. The other guys, 
they have their reasons, uh, but Mal, it's personal. And, uh, you know, Danny Glover just has a field day with it. And this, this line is just, you know, one example. He just, you know, it, he doesn't need to shoot anybody when you have a line like that. Yeah, it's, you know, I keep wondering. It, Mal has, you know, Mal has some of the best lines. He also has, a, you know, strong, strong family connections here. But I never got, uh, I never got the history of why Mal wound up in Chicago. He left home uh, with, uh, uh, with, you know, he left Ezra, his dad, home, and his his mother died, uh, and his sister was back at the farm. But I don't understand why he went to Chicago. Was that a mistake? on his part or did he just wanted to get out of the farming life he went up became a you know butcher's assistant that's interesting you know because i i thought about that just a little bit little speculation and you know i'm imagining um perhaps for mal it was you know having a real real taste of freedom for the first time in his life and being a younger man and just like no i you know i don't i don't want to go in this direction i don't want to be a farmer i've i've already done farming um, and yeah, you know, like heading north to Chicago and ending up in, um, you know, meatpacking that, that sort of, you know, it sort of rings true in a historic sense, but, uh, yeah, you get the, you get the feeling that, you know, you know, Mal is an angry character and, yeah. uh, you know, yeah, he, he was just, you know, he was, he, he, I think he was looking for a lot of fights. Yeah, yeah, I think he he was a rebellious teen. He didn't get along with his dad, and uh, you know he cared about his mom, but he just had to run away and you know get to the big city. They left, they left Georgia after the after the Civil War and wound up you know out west. Um, but he didn't want a part of that farming. But after, I don't know what brought him back home, unless he just hadn't heard from mom and dad in a while and just wanted to see how they were doing. Um, he did. He did get a note. He mentioned that his uh, his dad, you know, sent him a note that he had to turn at the notch and go to where the land was. So apparently, he he left some time before on the road, um, giving his uh, giving his sister Ray an idea that well, if he can leave, I can go too. And he, they both, in their own ways, went to town. Um, but uh, yeah, Mal has an interesting backstory. You know, you could see in the. Uh, in the Silverado cinematic universe, uh, it'll be interesting to follow all of these characters on their own paths. This is kind of, this is kind of the Payton story. We follow all of Payton's career, but the other people are just like passing through. I mean, we can, we could follow as I mean, I don't want to get too far ahead, but I mean, we could follow right. Emmett and uh, and Jake, see where they wind up, and uh, see what how Mal handles things with his sister and other stuff in the future. But uh, I think this is, if this were an Avengers, you know, Avengers out <laughs> west, I think we'd be getting this. Um, Peyton would be our Captain America, and Mal is kind of uh, Thor. He's just you know coming in from coming in from another world. Yeah. Again, um, he yeah. We hear a lot about the power of the Henry rifle in this movie, and uh, yeah, Mal sort of wields it like uh, it's a toy or it's yeah. something. You know, there's a there's a there's a scene uh, it's coming up. I don't want to be a spoiler, but he you know he he holds up two Henry rifles, yes, and they both look like sticks in his hands. So uh, you know it, it's it's also interesting 
you know, in westerns, you know, the, the weapon of choice is the classic six-shooter. You know, the, the lightning fast draw with a pistol. You know, the, the rifle, which uh, I think a lot, of, a lot of good guys use, a lot of bad guys use, but it's, it's, it's kind of the, it's the weapon of the farmers. It's the weapon of the big man. It's, it's, um, it's a little unorthodox yeah, for I a mean, Westerner to use it, but yeah, um, unless you're Chuck Connors, of course. But, unless you're Chuck Chuck Connors, or uh, you know, I, I I will quote from uh, one of my favorite westerns, uh, "Fistful of Dollars." Ah. You know, the evil Rojo says, uh, "You know, the man with the rifle will always beat the man with the pistol." Yes. <laughs> and you know, long guns are definitely deadlier for a you know from an aiming point of view. You're going to get a better a better shot. Um, getting a drop on people from a longer distance. Yeah, um, yeah but that's, uh, yeah. just shooting, literally shooting from the hip here. When he, he's he's aiming it, he just does that. You know, he's not he's not putting it on his shoulder as you would from a long distance. He's just shooting, like uh, you know, like he's running a Tommy gun. He just he he practices shooting from the hip and knowing where to where to hit people. Yeah, and there we go again. You know, again shooting from the hip, and uh, yeah, I got a wielding. Uh, that rifle like it was a pistol. Yeah. I I gotta praise the uh, cinematography of the every one of these scenes looks like especially in this particular minute every scene every camera setup looks like you could see it as a storyboard. The absolutely uh, the framing as uh, as Mal is standing at the top of that mound. Uh, you've got Emmett in the center of the picture. You've got the two bad guys standing over him. Uh, Garth about to deliver the killing shot, and uh, they're framed neatly by uh, the profiles of two uh, uh, horses standing at right and left of camera, and it's just, it's something that looks like, uh, I, I, I think, you know, it, it, it could be on a box of chocolate or something, it's just, it's, yeah. like, it's about as Western as it looks. Yeah, that's, um, yeah, I, uh, you know, it's, it's like the, uh, not a mosaic, but you know, when you would see the great painting uh, in the bar room of, say, Custer's Last Stand, and yeah, that that whole like here's the whole thing, and uh, you know, I'm just I'm just going to look in the uh, upper right hand corner, uh, but yeah, it's it's some very interesting composition that I had never really noticed before. You know, you you'd kind of assume you have a moment here where you can do a surprise, where you just like. Close up on uh, Emmett, close up on the gunman, and then kabang! Yeah, and you suddenly see that. But you know they kind of yeah they they have this uh, yeah pretty elaborate wide shot where you know um, Mal is on top of the world, literally looking down on them. Yeah, they've got no chance against you know a god, a yeah. god of Henry rifles. Yeah. Um, and I, I have to, I really appreciate that. I mean, I think it's only like about five frames that they drop in when when Mal shoots the gun out of Garth's hand. He's got a he's got a plastic hand on, and it's got a squib inside the uh, the back of his hand. And it's it's only like about maybe five or six frames, but they go from a they just go from one scene where it's a, the the rubber hand, and then there's a hole in that in that rubber hand, and uh, it just looks beautiful. And combined with the sound effect of a, the crack of the rifle shot and the, the man screaming, yeah. just uh, beautiful editing and uh, really really tight for um, for, for the '80s. Of uh, you know this 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 is just a little bit before the development of things like the Avid. Uh, you know this was this movie was still cut on a Moviola, 
but uh, the shortness of the, uh, the incredible brevity of the, of the cuts uh, in between uh, the different scenes is amazing. Uh, there's so many cuts in this. Uh, I mean, nowadays it's real easy. You can just you know slide slide your piece of uh, digital film onto a onto a timeline. But the amount of cuts they had to do for the scene is uh, is stunning when you think about all the the acetone and razor blades and things that had to be used to drop all these all these uh, frames in. You're uh, giving me nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> the quick question: yeah. uh, Back in the days of celluloid, uh, you know, I know you took film courses. I took film courses. Did you did you ever put on those white gloves and try to actually cut a piece of film? Oh, all the time. Yes, I, somewhere, somewhere in a box in my, in my office. I don't know where it is. I hold up a, <laughs> I have a metal, uh, a metal frame that looks like a, it's a little miter box, and it holds sixteen millimeter and thirty five millimeter, and you just drop it in and do the. Uh, not only could you do the flat on cuts for the, the the butt cuts where you, you cut two pieces of film and then put a piece. Of, you get you get some acetone on a, on a little brush and. Uh, glue the two pieces together with acetone, but you, you could also cut uh, the sound was done on a magnetic uh, 16 millimeter magnetic uh, film mm -hmm. and you had to do uh, diagonal cuts so you didn't get a thumping noise on the soundtrack when you went from one sound to another. So that's, I mean, people always talk about how wonderful film is, but I, you know, we, we both lived back then and film, film was the opposite of wonderful. You had to wait for it to get developed. You didn't know you couldn't look at it right away to find out whether or not the shot came out right, whether it was underexposed, overexposed, if there was a hair in the gate. And all this stuff went away with the development of things like the red camera, just video, being able to being able to, to go with high resolution images that you can adjust and manipulate and not have any kind of, uh, I mean, you can do lossless uh, combinations. Uh, things, I can remember doing film projects where, um, I wanted to do a wipe and a wipe to do to do that. An op it, it cost thirty five. Yeah. It cost thirty five dollars to do a single wipe from like left to right. You'd have an optical printer that would put a mat down and do. Uh, but uh, <laughs> oh god, now you're we are we are totally going down the rabbit hole. Yeah, of, yeah, that's uh, a medi medieval know. film cutting. Yeah, it was, oh yeah, you know the uh, now I'm remembering. You know, I think of Cine Fantastique or one of those magazines. Where, uh, you know, yeah. hey you. You can build an optical printer in your own backyard for under fifty dollars, yeah. and with with actual just things from the hardware store. But it was you would you would need an optical printer of some yeah. kind. And um, yeah, I I would like to think that I might have been the world's worst splicer as a teenager. <laughs> I seem to recall getting my you know having the white gloves, but still managing to get my fingerprints on things. Yeah, yeah. Everything, uh, everything looked like a work print, no matter how careful you were, and there was always stuff landing on it. Or yeah, yeah. It's just uh, I, I appreciate what I learned from those days, but I don't miss them at all, and I'm glad people don't have to. I, I know there are uh, aficionado. It's kind of like vinyl. You know, people who like vinyl. I just uh, you don't you don't know what it's like because it it, it was so. It, it, it's something you don't have to miss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. There was, you know, there were, yeah, there's, I, I totally get on the one hand, you know, certain older forms of, you know, that 
you know, we could talk, we could talk about the, the mystique of the vacuum tube yep. in terms of recording and, or getting a certain sound, but at the same time, I mean, uh, little tiny, you know, little tiny digital, you know, a little tiny digital code will do the same thing. Um, yeah, yeah. And the, the fact that they actually have, you know, an After Effects and Premiere Pro and things like that, they actually have ways of, so for you to add film grain and scratches and uh, cigarette burns and all the other, all the other things that you used to see on films just because you want it to look that way. It's like, who, why would you ever want it to look that way unless you're trying to, <laughs> You know for a grindhouse feature but right um it's yeah i don't miss it at all and uh really it's it's barking up the wrong tree if you think yeah. that you know i should really learn I should really learn it on film no be, be thankful that those days are over and you can do things with the resolution and the ease that uh i mean gosh you, you, when you look at your computer and think to yourself if you only had that back in your film school days you could have you could have won oscars back around 1980 <laughs> equipment that you have that comes with the computer you know it's just oh well uh anyway this is uh two great grandpas talking so <laughs> um but uh yeah this is just such this is one of the better minutes especially i mean just beside that line the composition and uh and the things that it sets up as we uh as we close out act two as we get into the uh this will be the the last rodeo coming up that uh all these this part is setting up it's just a, a great way to end the act um, it's going to go, I mean, we're not, we're not quite done. We're getting, uh, tomorrow is probably when the, you can truly call the act ending. Yeah. But you do, you do get a sense of either in minute 84 or minute 85, like, you know, there's almost like a beat and we almost feel like, Oh, you know, the curtain rises for act three. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. This is where uh, the, the intermission would be, you know, you'd have a, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the curtain, yeah. Curtain closes or so, or something like that. And, and we do have um you know this with mal's rescue of emmett we do we do have just a little uh breath you know there's a there's a little hope there you know yeah. like he's you know we it's uh you know things are going to get dark but it, it isn't hopeless all is not lost it's going to yeah. get much darker but uh i almost feel like like mal's rescue it, it, it's it shows we got to fight you know we have a fighting chance if we do this together Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've lost some ground. Uh, Peyton's kind of on the fence and Emmett's been damaged and he's one of their best shots, but we've got Mal and, uh, and Jake hasn't uh, appeared yet. So we've got, you know, the team is still there together, but they've obviously they're not at a hundred percent now. And mm -hmm. uh, we have to see, we have to weigh the, uh, the pros and cons of what's coming, what, you know, this, the, the coming storm, but we'll, we'll talk about that some more tomorrow. I think this is a minute 85. Yeah. Wow. Well, um, Brett, this is a, a great place to pause and ask you where people can listen to all your other shows, which of which I have listened to many of them. Uh, I haven't listened to every episode of your radio drama, which I do want to get to, but, uh, your movies by minutes ones are just simply fantastic. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I, I I love talking about movies, of course, as much as you love to talk about movies. And, uh, uh, yeah, and it's, I, you know, I do feel it's funny, you know, here's, uh, a movie that signaled the return of the Western in 1985. And yet, uh, all these other filmmakers in the eighties were trying to make Westerns. They were going about it, you know, in all, all kinds of interesting ways. You know, John Carpenter, uh, really wanted to make a Western. He never has made a Western. Uh, but he sort of took this circuitous route with Big Trouble in Little China. 
um, which, if uh, I'm sure you're aware, started off as a Western. Right. Yeah, I, can't, I, I, I still feel Kurt Russell is, you know, a cowboy at heart in that whole movie. And, oh, abso uh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, as, a, uh, as you know, with his, his uh, Hollywood pedigree, I mean, his, his father, Bing Russell, great character actor, who was, uh, you know, 89 episodes of Bonanza as a deputy. Yeah. So, and of course, Kurt was, uh, travels with Jamie McFeeters, uh, with, uh, how, how Western can you get if you get Walter Brennan as your grandpa in a, in a TV show? So he's, he's very, very much the, the Western star. Um, but, uh, you, you guys covered it excellently in, uh, in five minutes of trouble, which I can strongly recommend if you, if you want to get a great, uh, starter, starter sampler of, uh, of cinema Brit, Britsillo, um, Definitely uh, check out uh, Five Minutes of Trouble and Five Minutes of Bonsai, which, of course, is its own Western in a science fiction vein. Very much, very much. And, uh, yeah, I just thought I'd mention that, that, you know, it's interesting, Silverado, you know, or, or rather, look, you know, the Kazan brothers managed to do what a lot of other filmmakers uh, had a lot of trouble getting done. And that was, you know, their dream of doing a John Ford movie, right? Uh, a Howard Hawks movie. I mean, maybe Ch Michael Cimino and Heaven's Gate kind of put the kibosh on a lot of guys' plans. Yeah, uh, about five years early, but that's a that's for, that's another yeah. day in another yeah. podcast. But yeah, I, uh, I look forward to the Heaven's Gate minute, but I don't think I, I don't know who who will attempt that. Um, and and, that, and that's like a four and a half hour movie too, depending yeah. on which cut you watch. So um, yeah, that's a year's worth of. Uh, Years worth of minutes. That's a um, that's a long movie. Yeah. Wow. Well, some somebody will somebody will conquer it. I'm sure. You know, maybe one of our listeners that that's listening now could be thinking about that. We as as this is being recorded, there is no Heaven's Gate minute, so please feel free to to jump in. Um, I do want to mention that uh, you can find a lot of our well, you can find all of our Silverado ones, but you can find many of Brett's uh, uh, podcasts out there on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play, or wherever you found this particular episode, uh, go in and like and subscribe, uh, as as they say in the uh, social media, if you could like and subscribe this thing. And we would really appreciate if you could drop by and put in a put in a good word for us under the uh, Apple Podcast review, if you have a login for uh, Apple Podcasts. It always helps us to uh, to get to spread out our audience if we've got some uh, some good likes out on the on Apple Podcasts. You, if you're not signing into any of those podcast catcher things, uh, you can find us at the main site SilveradoMinute.com, which has a complete script and cast list uh, available on the site as well as every single episode we recorded so far. Um, if you'd like to talk back with us, social media is available at the Midnight Star Silverado Minute Listeners Saloon out there on Facebook or on Twitter. You can touch base with us at Silverado MXM, which stands for Movies by Minutes, a group that uh, we're all a part of. And you can be, too, if you'd like. Uh, anyway, we will be back here tomorrow to close out the week uh, uh, right here next time on the Silverado Minute. But in the meantime, yee! <laughs>